Um, I don't really believe in a destiny, but I think that we are constantly creating and we will eventually experience our future based on what we're creating now. So we, in a way, can choose a destiny, but um, it feels separate from us because I do think we can have interactions with our future or we can have, like, we can download those messages or those visions because we are constantly in communication with our future and our past. You're listening to Conversations for the Mystically Curious, a podcast brought to you by Kismet Berlin. On our show, we will interview creators, makers, and just generally inspiring people working in the realms of esoteric spirituality, science, and the arts. In this episode, we interview Carrie Mallon and Annie Reucht, the co-creators of the best-selling Spacious Tarot Deck. In a time before COVID, a designer slash book illustrator and an experienced tarot reader joined forces remotely from their homes of New York and Utah. Little did they know that their online collaboration would turn into a lifelong business partnership and the birth of one of the most lauded indie tarot decks to date. In something they described as an almost telepathic working relationship, they managed to bring an expansive and modern reinterpretation of the tarot system that literally holds space for the user. In our conversation, Carrie, Annie, Kate, and I talk about the creative process behind the spacious tarot, magical realism and world building, the meaning behind evolutionary tarot, and how sometimes life is best lived when you slow down. Hey, Joey. Hey. Wow. How things have evolved since the last show that we did. Things have finally opened up in Berlin, and it's literally like Shangri-La here. (laughs) Also because the weather got really good at the same time. And so it's like an amazing concept to be able to sit at a cafe terrace without showing a negative COVID test and making a pre-scheduled appointment. Like, yeah, it's, it's sort of interesting because it's just this feeling of freedom for things that we previously took for granted and since it's been so long it just feels uh incredible i mean actually i was also i went to a um outdoor comedy show on friday night in a beer garden but my my general feeling after i left there was that i was like a plant that you know finally got watered after a year Mm, it's like the social water (laughs) i mean it's still there's still a bit of growing pains because uh we're kind of in this weird awkward period which some people are calling re-entry um because again like not everybody's vaccinated and then sometimes the rules aren't so clear so you know people don't feel 100 percent safe uh especially if they're indoors things like that so i have a feeling that this period is obviously gonna last a long time and and uh it'll just sort of be case by case how people readjust I think it's so fascinating that, you know, this this re-entry period, as you call it, is um, coinciding astrologically with the transition from Taurus season into Gemini season, because Gemini, that's the twins, right? So it's the energy of ideas and conversation. So it's like, I don't really know why that is, but it really does feel like a literal um, kind of transition from what was 
previous tourist season where everyone's sort of nesting and enjoying, you know, the sensual beginning of spring, which I think everybody really was after a hard winter lockdown inside, um, to now, you know, not only is it warming up, uh, but you actually get to talk to people. And not just talk to people, you also get to see, you know, events, <laughs> which seems like a, you know, exotic spectacle. I think that getting into some sort of self-care routine that's outside of just, you know, how you care for yourself in your apartment, that's going to be interesting to see how that evolves. So obviously we're so excited to have today's guests on our show because they are the creators behind the super popular indie deck, The Spacious Tarot, um, which has been actually a really massive success in Europe and just sort of translates across borders. And one of the countries that it's been doing particularly well in uh, is France. So first of all, I want to give a shout out to them. So merci beaucoup tous nos clients qui a acheté des decks chez nous. On est vraiment, vraiment ravis uh, que vous nous faites confiance et que vous aimez le Spacious Tarot. And I'm sorry, I don't speak French, but <laughs> bisous from me too. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that it's having such a moment there. And perhaps it could do with the fact that, according to an article in France 24, 70% of young people between the ages of 18 to 24 believe in parasciences or esoterica and divination, um, which actually would technically be Gen Z. Joey, I'm not surprised to hear that statistic. And... I don't know the statistics for any other European countries, but it would be my guess that uh, you could find something similar in most Gen Z communities um, looking for answers to questions that, frankly, nobody has the answers to, um, especially considering the past, the past chunk of time that we've been to. It is almost time to get to today's wonderful interview with Carrie and Annie from Spacious Tarot. But before we do, Joey is going to pull a major arcana tarot card from the Spacious Tarot, of course. And without further ado, I don't think I've ever pulled this card in a single draw. I got a uh, temperance. Mm, temperance. So in the Spacious Tarot, uh, their representation of temperance is fire and ice. Like, so the ice is kind of coming down in uh, stalactites on the top, and then there's flames of fire, uh, you know, coming up from the bottom, and then there's sort of like dripping water in between. I think that image makes me think of, of course, balance and two elements together. And then to continue that thread, it makes me think a little bit of yin-yang energy, where um, in order to create a balance, you, you need to really cultivate um, two forces coming together, obviously yin-yang, um, and possibly two things in the case of fire and ice on the temperance card that don't seem to necessarily go together, but that maybe you can have both of those things in your life. Yeah, I was just going to say this actually really ties into what we were talking about earlier about, again, the idea of reentry and transitioning. 
because we are going from a period of like fire and ice or however you want to describe how our previous period was. But, you know, we're kind of going from one extreme to another. And how do we find that perfect mix, that perfect blend moving forward? Because again, it's, it is going to be a lot of experimentation and dosing, like how much of this can I do and how much of this can I not do? Like how much is permitted or not permitted? Um, what do I feel comfortable with? So actually I find this very representative of this period that we're in um, and that we spoke about earlier. Hmm. Yeah, I think this card is really a, a poignant invitation uh, in a personal way probably for each of us to think about what that means. I mean, depending on where you are in the world, where you are in your life, with your, with your work life, your personal relationships, your preferred amount of social engagement, um, how excited you feel or how fearful you might feel. It's kind of addressing all of those things, like, um, yeah, asking us to reflect on how can we be uh, whole moving into this next season. Speaking of temperance, fire and ice, or yin-yang energy, this card relates to our next guest who found a magical and symbiotic professional relationship by blending their complementary skills. Hi, Annie. Hi, Carrie. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to talk to you. We're thrilled to have you on the show. So first, we're going to ask the most obvious question, or I think the question that a lot of people would love to know. How did you both meet? Well, I found Carrie online. I was using the Wild Unknown tarot deck. It was like the first tarot deck I ever used. Uh, and it doesn't come with the guidebook. And so I looked online if there was any information about either tarot cards in general or this deck. And Carrie has an amazing... Uh, catalog of descriptions for each card, like her own beautiful descriptions. So she was basically my guidebook for my first ever tarot deck. And I just felt so appreciative that I wanted to make some artwork for her website because I looked on her website and I noticed that it, it had like some cute images, but I was like, this could be really done up with some nice artwork. So I offered to make some for her and we, we kind of established a little connection that way just through love <laughs> yeah and carrie how did you feel when when annie just reached out to you and offered to make artwork for your website it was really sweet and that was kind of my first taste of art how well we work together because i remember annie kind of asked me just for some general mood things like maybe what are some colors and a general vibe and i i gave her some ideas and then she created like basically exactly how i was picturing it so it was a really early vision of oh we we kind of have a good connection we work really well together and um, so, yeah, I think that even back then, probably the seed was somewhere planted in the back of my mind, because when I started thinking I want to create a deck, I always had Annie in the back of my mind as like, oh, I'd love to work with Annie. She's so great. Both of you live in different states, actually. Uh, Annie, you live in California and Carrie, you live in Utah. I mean, did you have a more online correspondence for a while before meeting in person or how did that work? 
Yeah, we were talking mostly through Skype and emails. And then after we'd already been working on the Spacious Tarot for a while, it might not have even had a name yet, but we were working on a deck together. And Annie was living in New York City at the time. And that was the first time we got to meet in person. I think, wasn't that? Yeah, that was the first time we met in person. Um, I visit. I visited you there. Yeah, they stayed at my apartment, actually. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. But it, it felt like we had already kind of known each other enough because we'd been talking every week or every couple weeks for, I don't know, a year at that point, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Or six probably. months, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for at least a, a while. So it was, it was like... It was exciting to meet in person. It was like, oh, finally. It's actually almost like a very modern work relationship because you had this whole sort of already world and work uh, together, you know, for a while. And then obviously the trust was there and then you, you finally just meet up and, and uh, yeah, that's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> it was like online dating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how's this going? Uh, yeah, we'll see if we work together okay. And then, okay, we can meet in person. That's fine. <laughs> I like it. It's an online uh, tarot illustration dating relationship that worked out. Yeah, hopefully. yeah, worked out great. Life partners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Gary's like, life partner. Yeah. Well, it kind of, sometimes it feels like it because that's, well, I don't want to jump ahead of what else we'll talk about today, but we run the business together now. So we started like, oh, let's do this creative project. And now we're basically business partners. So mm-hmm. it's, I know, Annie, like you kind of joked before, oh, it does kind of feel like we're married because we have to make all these big decisions together and we have to keep collaborating and trusting each other and getting each other's input constantly. Yeah, no, I think Kate and I really deeply understand that, actually, because we also, this yeah. whole past year, have had to work remotely and, you know, really be able to delegate tasks from a distance. And then also it's just that trust, obviously, that you have with a business partner that is essentially like another marriage. <laughs> Definitely. No, it's a great, it's a great relationship. I think it's, it's really cool because, like, it just was so natural but I, when I think about Carrie, I just think, wow, I'm so lucky that it's, I trust her better than I trust myself. So. We probably great. both trust each other more than we trust ourselves. <laughs> Annie, uh, you're an illustrator whose work runs the gamut from fancy wallpaper to children's books to tarot cards, obviously. So where do you draw your creativity from? Like, and what feels, I guess, exciting to you? Well, I... I grew up loving Disney movies, Disney animated movies. And although I didn't want to go into animation in college, I I tried it out, but it wasn't my thing. I realized I just loved like just world building, really just environments. And I liked characters a lot, but more than that, I think it's the worlds that you can create. So then I kind of switched over to children's books and I I found a job in tech, which was, um, you know, I was looking for a job, so it, it worked out, but I never thought I would get into tech, but that was kind of, um, that kind of opened my eyes up to all these different things you can do, not just books and movies, but you can design t-shirts or, or mugs or, um, or wallpaper. So I think at this point now, I just really love a challenge. I like trying something new. I like environments, um, especially if it's a physical environment, something that will 
will kind of change the the feel of the place um and the tarot is kind of perfect because it's like this little world that you open up out of a box and um <clears throat> that's been probably the biggest challenge is creating that deck but the most rewarding yeah it's amazing that you started off as a somebody who liked to build worlds already maybe you weren't a tarot reader you're an illustrator but it seems like tarot is the perfect format for if you already like working with those types of ideas yeah because it's so personal it's it's like your inner world on these little cards or it can be it doesn't it doesn't always feel that way I've, I've seen a lot of decks where it's like kind of clever or it's something interesting this beautiful art but then there's other ones where I open it and it's like this you're trans transformed or transferred to this world mm, and um, yeah I know what you mean yeah I think actually on an Instagram live a while back, I asked you if you were influenced by Miyazaki because I felt like there was like almost a little bit of his style in the way you illustrated uh, the tarot deck. That, well, that's a great compliment. Thank you. <laughs> and because first of all, he's amazing. I love I love Studio Ghibli and all of all of those films, but. Um, there is something really sweet, but also very realistic about Miyazaki films, I think. Like, compared to Disney, Disney's a little bit more cartoony, even though they... I, I know that Miyazaki drew a lot of inspiration from Disney. But um, there's kind of this, like, surreal feel to all of those Miyazaki films. I mean, he seems like an incredible world builder to me. I guess that's why maybe also there was some similarity there as well. D definitely and it also always seems to be in this like natural world but this um what do you call it like um like magical realism magical realism yes thank you yeah yeah i love that that's my favorite genre what's another there's actually mirakami is kind of i was, just, of I was gonna authors. say actually yeah. he's the other uh, like master of that in the mm -hmm. literature realm <laughs> yeah you also mentioned that you used to work in tech, but I mean that, and then I think you ended up more in the publishing world. So, I mean, that's actually quite a big trans transition. Like how did that come about and, and how has that changed for you? Um, well, it's, it's interesting because I, I wanted to do publishing right out of college. So I self-published with a couple authors and I self-published my own book called The Three Things in 2011. And that was right when I started my job in uh, at a database company as their illustrator designer. So I was kind of doing both simultaneously and I was learning how to do product design essentially or like self-publishing, yeah. Um, and then since then I've still retained tech clients. I still work with some small tech companies as their illustrator, but I just do contract work. And sometimes it involves producing a product so that's been really helpful knowing how to find a vendor and ask certain questions for printing hmm. quality I and, imagine, yeah. yeah and then um and then when I started working with Carrie it was kind of the same thing like applying that knowledge and but still having these tech clients to kind of work with learn from pay my bills um, <laughs> yeah. and then I finally got a book deal with a traditional publishing house uh few years ago and so the traditional publishing route is actually very new to me and I'm learning how that all works <laughs> so yeah that's been a long time coming to tell you the truth it's 
that's the newest thing. And I'd say it's very different. Um, I don't, I'm not producing anything. I'm, I'm just creating the artwork. Because hmm. yeah, you you just came out with a, a children's book recently, so that was actually through the more traditional publisher. Yes, yes, that came out April sixth, so very recent. And that like I didn't choose the font, I didn't choose the paper quality, I didn't, I didn't make the book at all. They made the book. I just made the art. So that was actually it's it's very different from self publishing. You you choose every aspect of the product. And you have to find people to help you make it. But this was like hands off, you know. I mean, would you? What do you prefer? I mean, do you, I mean? I guess there's kind of pros and cons to both, or whatever. Like to be able to really sort of control the, the final output and vision, or to sort of relinquish that control and just have faith that someone's going to bring your project to like where it needs to be. Well, with a book, and and with like a deck, it definitely helps to have a team of people. I mean, having a partner like Carrie has been really great with making decisions and helping me find vendors or choosing just, yeah, making decisions really. Um, but I prefer being able to make those decisions because that's a really important part of the experience is how the paper feels. Um, how thick is it? Uh, what colors are the are the is the jacket or the box or things like that so uh, the font is so important and I mm. I really like that stuff I didn't realize it until I wasn't allowed to make those choices and oh. I even asked could we choose this font instead and they're like no <laughs> <laughs> so um but there are a lot of benefits to having it published with a traditional publisher too yeah. so um, I mean I imagine it's less it's a stressful <laughs> It's less stressful? I don't know. I, mean, I guess I'm wrong. It's not less stressful than it was. It was way more stressful. I'll really? Be okay. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. The, the, yeah. The notes, yeah. like all the notes are extensive that you get back from art directors and stuff. But, mm. but the scale, the scale is really cool. They can distribute it for you and connect you with all kinds of cool people and uh, get it out there. And so that's been... And their their notes, their influence on the project does make it stronger. Carrie, did you enjoy uh, getting to sort of put in your ideas on design along with Annie? Because I imagine it's just the two of you, right? So you probably got to do a bit of back and forth more so than if it were some sort of large project, or if or if you know you were just doing the tarot deck on your on your own. Yeah, yeah, we. We found a really good groove. It kind of took us a while, I think, to figure out the process and what was going to work the best for us, but we got there eventually. And I say this all the time when we talk to people about creating the deck, but it really felt like eventually it was almost like we could read each other's minds because um, I'm coming from more of, you know, I've been a professional tarot reader and I'm in the tarot world. So I would usually kind of come in and have this, at least like a bare bones vision of the card. And I'd try and be explaining it to Annie, like, and I felt like a mad scientist being like, and maybe there's this over here. And I have this little like chicken scratch of like, and maybe it looks like this. And eventually Annie would be like, just kind of piece it together and pick like the perfect colors and kind of do the composition so it works really well. And so I think our strengths were able to play off each other a lot. And then even with more of the 
um, logistics side of things, like Andy was already talking a bit about things like choosing paper and stuff like that, it was really nice having Annie with me because she does have, she had more of a background, right? Having done her book and having more experience with creating physical products that I think I felt really overwhelmed by the idea of like finding um, a printer and choosing all of these things. And Annie helped me feel more reassured, like we'll figure it out, here's my experience. So that was really, really nice. Yeah, and tarot is such a tactile experience. I mean, it's like even... I mean, I feel like that's almost half the experience of tarot is and people get super uh, intense and geeky about it. Even, you know, there's whole YouTube channels dedicated to how a card feels, how the edging is done what the finishes. So I'd imagine there's even like more pressure these days, even for those aspects of, of making a deck. Yeah, I think so for sure. And because I'm in that world and I'm very aware of all those things you're pointing out. And even for me, because that's that's what I do professionally is read tarot for other people. So I, there were certain things I knew I wanted and I wasn't going to budge on. Like I was like, the cardstock has to be matte. It has to feel a certain way. It has to be a certain thickness because I just know from years of like shuffling cards and using them, what feels good to me and what I like. So there'd be a couple of times where the printer would be like, maybe you could try this other, you know, this glossier paper and the colors might show up different. I'm like, no, it has to be matte. That's, that's what I like. So, but yeah, you're right. People in the tarot community have very strong opinions about just, you know, the actual like construction of the product, not even just the imagery, which of course is the most important thing but like what's the tactile experience of it I would say it's the imagery is I don't know if it's the most important thing I think actually the functionality of the deck is like trumps the imagery what do you mean by functionality the ergonomics the ergonomics (laughs) yeah yeah well if if the cards were huge and they were shiny and they were hard to shuffle or they were kind of funky I think that it wouldn't have been as appealing of a deck I think it's because of Carrie's like understanding. I mean, I like Matt cards too, but I, I was not reading with tarot decks like Carrie was. So um, yeah, all, all her choices just really made the deck fantastic, I think. Yeah, it's funny you say that because uh, somebody recently did uh, an unboxing video um, from two decks we sent them, one of which was the Spacious Tarot. They were in France. And the first comment she made when she opened the deck was, oh, I love the size. She's like, I don't like it when cards are big. I have small hands. And I was thinking to myself, <laughs> actually, you know, all those giant tarot decks before, like who had giant hands? Like, does anybody have hands that size? Like, no. Like, those cards? So, yeah. So it seems like she was really like that. Yeah, that was the first thing that, that stood out to her was actually the ease of shuffling and the finish and the size, just like you said. Yeah. So we're both thinking the same thing right now, I think probably, Annie, um, which is the size. So our deck is a teeny bit shorter. It's the same width. So there's a standard industry standard tarot size, right? Ours is a teeny tiny bit shorter, but it's the same width. But that little tiny bit shorter, you do feel it when you're shuffling. And that was kind of a coincidence that just worked out that way because we already had the art. We were really progressed with the art before we talked to our printer and got a template. And then we got the template and realized, oops, our art doesn't really fit in this template. And so that's actually why our cards are a little smaller 
than other decks. We did yeah, a custom Yeah, I made the size. art the wrong size. <laughs> yeah, but it worked out great because now we love the size and, and other people are always commenting on the size, but every time they do, I'm like, they don't realize this was a huge thing behind the scenes because for a while we were kind of like, what are we going to do? Are we going to do this? We do that. But then it was like, let's just do a custom size and it's going to be fine. Carrie, you, I, we know you're a professional tarot reader. Um, can you tell us about sort of how you first got into tarot and sort of how your whole relationship with it has progressed until where you are now? Sure. So I knew of tarot just through popular culture, like a lot of people do. And I'll try and tell kind of the short version because it people's tarot origin stories they tend to be these long sagas right <laughs> it's always like everyone has a cool story um but so I got to a phase in life where I sometimes kind of jokingly but kind of seriously refer to it as my quarter life crisis because it was that phase of life where I'd kind of gone along doing all the things I was told that I should do right so I I went to college, I got my degree, I was working at my first corporate job, and something within me just wasn't feeling right. I was having a bit of sort of like some mild depression and just feeling really disconnected from myself. And it was that point of life where you think, oh, I did everything I should do, but you don't know what the next thing is. And it's just like, what am I going to do from here? And around that time, I just had this intuition, like go buy a tarot deck. And I didn't know a lot about tarot, just generally being aware of it existing. And so I, I went and got my first tarot deck. And it was around that same time I was also learning about uh, Joseph Campbell and his theory of the hero's journey. And I was also starting to get into Carl Jung and his ideas about the collective unconscious and archetypes and, and all these kinds of things. So when I started working with tarot, it was like all of those interests really dovetailed with the way that tarot works. So I just became really fascinated by it and I kept learning and reading more books. And then eventually I started my business and then eventually we made a deck. So that's kind of the, the shorter version, I guess. You had your own hero's journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, those are good sort of complimentary readings to, to be into right when you're starting to mm, feel possibly disillusioned with, you know, the, the point of the point where you're at and, uh, you know, get into Jungian archetypes and, and uh, mythology. So. Yeah, yeah, I think tarot has a, a way of reconnecting you with a sense of magic way of viewing the world in your life that has more of this mystery and this magic behind it and I think that's the thing I was missing the most that I didn't know that I was missing at that point in my life and I really needed that I needed something to give me that kind of spark so that's what tarot's hmm. done what was your background uh before you sort of needed to get in touch with your magical magical side um, so my, I got my degrees, my bachelor's degree in human development because I actually thought I was going to be a teacher. I wanted to teach kindergarten. And then I got a double major in consumer and community studies, which it's kind of a unique thing to my college. Like nobody's ever heard of it, but it's almost a merging of sociology and economics. It's kind of like a, it, a lot of the core of the degree is about the role that local businesses play in a community. So then for a while, That's I was super like, useful, though. <laughs> it was really cool. And it, it's worked out really great with now that I am a small business owner. Um, but yeah, so for a while, I thought like I did an internship with a nonprofit that uh, promotes local businesses and helps give them access to resources. So I thought I wanted to go in that direction. But it's very hard to actually get jobs in the nonprofit sector. So I ended up getting a job as a 
uh, like an advisor, an enrollment advisor for a college. And that actually kind of in a weird way tied into what I ended up doing because I learned a lot about communicating with people and guiding them through certain situations. So um, yeah, that's kind of more of my, what I, you know, my professional stuff I was doing before I started doing tarot as my business. So is it sort of like you learned how to be a mentor in one sense, then came into the tarot and then kind of combined all of those things into what you're doing now? I think so, because at the time I was working that job at the university, I didn't really, I didn't really think it would connect into anything bigger, but there were certain times where, like, one thing I recall in particular is they brought in someone to facilitate the Myers-Briggs with us, you know, the MBTI, and I was like, oh, I love this, and that's become something I'm really interested in, and I think it kind of connects into things I sometimes talk about now with my clients and we also got a little bit of training around just like coaching in general like what are practices for coaching people and my tarot style is very I guess I would say it's more of a coaching style it's not like I don't read predictively so I didn't see it at the time but now that I have more hindsight I do see the ways that some of that clicked in to what I do what I ended up doing further down the line. Yeah, because I, I saw on your website that you, you like some of the services that you offer to clients is, yeah, it's more of an integrative method of tarot. I mean, it's very different than what you often see on tarot reader sites, which is saying like, you know, I'll, I'll do a, yeah, a predictive tarot or like a year prediction or, um, you know, about your relationship or something like that, where, yeah, I, I really did get the vibe that your goal was almost to try to help people get unstuck in a situation by coaching them and using the tarot to do so. I mean, that's actually quite unusual. I mean, um, usually like when you do these uh, sessions with clients, is it something that's long-term? Like, is it, is it usually several sessions? Like, how do you go about doing this? Yeah, it, it well, first I'm going to back up just a little bit because this is something I recently have been thinking about a lot that I've been really excited about because I've never had Like whenever I try to describe my tarot style to people, I feel like it's very clunky and I'm using a lot of words. Um, But I recently came across this term from another tarot practitioner. His name is James Wells, and he uses the term evolutionary tarot to describe his style of working with the cards. And he's created these sort of guidelines of what that style of working with the cards is. And when I found that, I was like, oh, I think that's how I'm going to describe myself from now on. Because sometimes when people hear tarot, they think you're doing predictions, which some people do. But evolutionary tarot is more about um, expansion. It's more about connecting with your deeper self. It's more about seeing things from a different perspective. Um, I'm kind of just giving it in a nutshell, but that's, that's sort of more of my style. And in terms of like working with my clients now, it really varies from person to person. Sometimes I have people come in and we just do one session, we do one reading and they kind of feel like that gave them what they needed at that moment. Or I do have people who, I've been doing this, I think for about seven years now. So I have people who will come to me maybe like once a year, it's sort of their birthday thing or it's their you know New Year's thing or something like that. Um, and then sometimes I get people who come maybe monthly if they want more of a consistent thing. So it's really organic, like what does everyone, what works for each individual person. Good. I mean, my next question was about evolutionary tarot. So oh, <laughs> I'm glad you saw that. That. yeah. I'm yeah. super excited about that right now. 
Yeah, I, well, I saw it on your social media, and I was like, what is that? I have to ask her. So, um, so I feel like now I understand. But it, it seems like what evolutionary tarot is is a much more is much more connected with psychology and less connected with divination and prediction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The way I described it is inspired by there's this whole branch in astrology. I think that's kind of where this came from called evolutionary astrology. So I don't know a lot about astrology, but it's has some similarities with tarot in terms of both of them, at least in the past, have been associated more with making predictions and both of them now have moved more into a different framework. So evolutionary tarot the core way I would describe it, this is what I said in the little graphic that you saw on my Instagram, is it's kind of, it's loosely like a fusing of modern humanistic psychology with like ancient metaphysical principles. Um, Love it. So it still has a spiritual <laughs> aspect, but it's also more about empowerment. It's not just like it's not the old school framework you picture from a movie where someone comes and the reader pulls out the death card and it's like, Wah! it's more like, you know, the reader pulls out the death card and you're asked, you know, where are you experiencing transformation? How can this be beneficial? How can we work with this energy? It's that, that's a, I guess a, like a on the fly example, maybe of more of how it would look. Yeah, I think the aim is always empowerment. And one of the principles of evolutionary tarot, too, is that the person you are reading for is the expert on their life. You, as the reader, are just there to give ideas, help them see things from a different way, and really, like, help them connect with their own inner wisdom. So it's very empowering. It's not like, I'm a tarot reader and I'm going to tell you everything. It's like, let me kind of guide you and facilitate this process with you. Well, it's it's interesting because uh, uh, someone who's now collaborating with us, who's also a, a tarot reader and astrologer and also has a background in psychology, uh, she said that your uh, the death card in the spacious tarot was for her the most beautiful death card that she had ever seen or worked with, and it made the most sense to her. So um, it sounds like, obviously, it must have uh, kind of your approach to evolutionary tarot must have also influenced some of these interpretations in the cards. Yeah, I think so for sure. Even when we were creating the spacious tarot, I hadn't yet come across that term to give me that language. But that's always been my idea of, you know, tarot is about empowerment and self-discovery. And it's like a psycho-spiritual tool. So that's really, I'm very honored that she feels that way about our death card. Oh, I'll, I'll pass the message on. <laughs> Carrie, if you had to give advice to somebody who's just starting off with the tarot and maybe doesn't know much, uh, what advice would you give them? How, how could they get started? And what would be a good way for them to self-educate? Ooh, that's a good question. I think probably the first thing I would tell someone is there's there's no right or wrong way to do tarot and every resource you find, every reader you find is going to have their own unique style. So I think be open to looking at what's out there in terms of maybe books or blogs or you know other teachings and just think about what what makes you feel curious and what's like, ooh, I want to learn more about that or what's maybe like, eh, that doesn't resonate with me because I don't think I quite realized when I started learning tarot how many different ways there are to approach tarot. Um, so finding the kind of style that you really like, like maybe 
I've noticed because now I've joined TikTok recently and I was thinking, oh, predictive tarot is out of style. Like no one's doing that. And then I joined TikTok and I feel really old. I'm like, oh my gosh, all of the young people on TikTok are doing like more of the predictive tarot. So that is still out there. You can still find resources if you want to do more of a predictive tarot. So thinking about that to begin with, like, do I want to read more predictively or do I like more of the psycho-spiritual model, like the evolutionary tarot model? That can help you determine what kind of books or how you want to go about your learning process. I will plug um, two things. The first thing, uh, I guess, just like shameless self-promotion is I have a free 90-minute course called Foundational Tarot, which people can get on my website, carriemallon.com. That's like my introduction to tarot. And there's another website. It's been around for so long. It's called learntarot.com. And that's actually where I started learning tarot. It's created by Joan Bunning. And when you go to the website, it looks like it's from like 1995 because it probably is. And it's like never really been changed, the formatting (laughs) or anything. So you just have to be prepared. Like it looks very old school, but the content is so amazing. And it's really generous of her to give that all for free. It's also available in a book version, which I did buy because I loved the website so much. But it's structured like a course. So you do get lessons and you get more of a format to work with. And Annie, how was it for you when you were learning about these archetypes that I'm sure you ran into as your career as an illustrator, but maybe not quite in the same way as the language of tarot until you started working with Carrie? Um, How did your feelings or relationships with these sort of archetypal energies that you find in the tarot evolve as you to co-created the deck that's a great question because you actually you did explain it perfectly like I this was new to me I'd been learning a little bit about tarot and been using one deck really or two decks for myself so going through this process with Carrie and it was like it was like the best tarot class anyone could ever take (laughs) because she would go through these concepts and talk through everything and and it was like uh, a wonderful way to learn about each archetype each card and I didn't always know the symbolism that she brought forward. Like it, it didn't resonate with me automatically because I didn't have that history necessarily. But when she explained a concept, I got to kind of feel how that was in my, in my body, I guess, and um, try and interpret that through an illustration as well. So some of the cards, it was like, okay, how can I explain this concept now and in colors or in placement of these objects because I don't always have all the like historical symbolism in my, you know, I don't know that yet. So, um, but she could, she could kind of fill in um, all those gaps too. It was just a really, it was a really cool way to, to dive deeper into the tarot. Yeah. I learned a lot. It was awesome. I, I feel like I have, I mean, not only do I really know our deck very well, but when I read for myself or for a friend with other decks, now I have like this whole new layer of meaning. Hmm, I bet. So it sounds like, if I understand it correctly, that you were sort of emotionally creating your images. Yeah, that that was the best way I could relay some of what Carrie was was sharing, was also like how it emotionally resonated for me and then add that to the to the um, concepts and the imagery that we had discussed and that she brought forward. How was the idea for the spacious tarot actually born? I think that we spent 
a few months just trying to figure out what the deck was going to be and how it was going to look and feel. And I had an I I had proposed to Carrie that I wanted a lot of plant, not like medicine and, and knowledge or whatever. I wanted plants to be in there. And um Carrie had this idea of like the the balance, the it she kinda had a few keywords. Can I share them, Carrie? Sure. Wait, so wayfinding was a keyword and spectrum. So those were influencing um, kind of the initial concept. And of course, they're very abstract, but that was perfect. So we, we started with the Fool, and there were eight core cards. Magician, High Priestess, The World, and The Four Aces. And we iterated on those, and they didn't come very easily at first. But once we got The Fool down... I think we knew that we were going to have this like naturalistic world and and we didn't have any people in the fool. And we're like let's keep going with this. And even with the high priestess we didn't have anyone. So like we we kind of developed the ideas I think after the first few cards of like we don't want people, we want this open world, we want um it to feel immersive and we don't want it to feel too heavy or too one-sided but that took a little while yeah I've had people tell me when they use this deck that the immersive aspect they feel like they're in it so they feel like it's a first person perspective like they can drop down in it like it's their little avatar in the spacious tarot world that they can then be in and do their readings so I think that's special I can't think of another deck that I know of where you get that perspective yeah I think like Annie described it it was really organic that we ended up doing it that way it just kind of happened but once we landed on that it felt so perfect because that's something I've always thought about tarot is like we contain all of these energies of these cards and so I think our deck is kind of unique in that way that you're able to really visually get that like oh I'm the fool I'm the high priestess um, so I'm glad that people, I appreciate you sharing that people feel that way. Cause that's, we, we're hoping people feel that way. Cause we feel that way. Cause it's even written in the box, uh, this space is for you. And I think that has just completely resonated with so many, uh, tarot users worldwide because, uh, I mean, I think it's worth mentioning that your deck is our bestseller, um, on our site, uh, consistently and we get orders for it from all over the EU. That seems to be the common denominator that you've almost like created this safe space within the deck. It's like a container. The cards are a container for people to feel safe in. I mean, I'm just wondering, do you, did you ever realize or think that it would kind of take on this dimension for other people when you created it? I hoped it would. <laughs> we yeah, hoped it would, I think. We were kind of like, even when we were, we started, so we started sharing imagery on Instagram before the deck was done. And so we did get a little peek of, oh, people are kind of resonating with this. But even then, before we launched the Kickstarter, we were kind of like, we don't know what people are going to think. And our printer had a like minimum order quantity. And we were like, we don't even know if we'll reach this. Of course we did, which was amazing. And we're very thankful. 
So I think we tried to focus on let's create something that we resonate with really strongly. And hopefully if we really feel good about it, other people will too. But that's the most important thing is like we feel that. And hopefully if we feel that, it's not just us, if that makes sense. I think another unique aspect about the deck is it it's, I mean, there, right now there's a lot of amazing indie tarot decks out there and they're all reinterpreting, you know, the writer Waite Smith deck in, in uh, different ways or completely reinventing it. But I, yours feels particularly like a, a very modern reinterpretation where sometimes it just strays entirely away from the old symbolism. And, and I imagine that's quite complicated almost to invent your own system that makes sense I mean was that intentional like how did how did that process work so I did learn with the Rider Waite Smith that was my first deck so I think you're right you can definitely see in some cards it's really like the Fool is a good example of that where you can very clearly see how we were inspired by the Rider Waite Smith imagery for the Fool but there's even other cards where like the two of Pentacles was more of like a Marseille tarot inspiration, which is another older deck. And um, so there's sort of a few places, and even uh, the Six of Pentacles is almost a little like inspired by the Thoth design for the Six of Pentacles. So it's mostly inspired by Rider Waite because that's what I know and that's what I learned with. But I think we did try to give ourselves permission to be like, if the right or weight interpretation or imagery just doesn't make sense to us we don't want to feel stuck with that so there's a few that are completely nowhere even close to the weight smith tarot like i remember one that we created that i was kind of nervous to put out to show people was the hanged one or the hanged man as it is in the weight smith we call it the hanged one because uh, for people who aren't familiar our imagery is essentially you like you are on the moon looking at the earth and so it's very very different than most decks it's like literally a person hanging so there we have kind of a mix it was really just like yes this is the system i learned with so that's really there but there's certain imagery where i've come to understand the hanged one that imagery isn't necessarily what i understand of the card and our imagery was more of how i've come to sit with that card if that makes sense Andy, did you kind of distance yourself a bit from some of maybe these like really classical references while you were illustrating the deck? Like, did you try to like actually almost like not be too influenced by them or? Yeah, I had never used the Rider Waite Smith ever. I'd never used any classical decks. I'd only used two and that was the Wild Unknown and the Voyager Tarot, I think is what it's called. So, uh, and I'd seen some other Oracle decks, but I pretty much didn't have any of those references in my mind and we would look at a few of them if she was showing me something in particular that she wanted to include like some specific imagery but um, otherwise it wasn't there which I think was really helpful in just choosing whatever colors and textures would be appropriate rather than referring to a classical deck yeah Annie has well she's talented on every level but this is kind of even going back to what I mentioned when she did art for my website a really long time ago, that Annie has an amazing strength of just 
some general ideas and like keywords even like if I just told you let's go for an image that feels mysterious and evocative and dark and what you know what I mean I'm just spitting things out there but Annie will just she has a real she's ling linguistically gifted too but I think Annie you're really gifted at taking a like a verbal description and oh here's how that feels with colors here's how that feels with composition it's amazing thanks Carrie <laughs> well, Car Carrie has a way. I mean, it's just sometimes it works with people, sometimes it doesn't. But with with Carrie and with with certain people, it's like you can just maybe there's some telepathy happening there or something. But it really is like very vivid in my mind when when some of those images are described. It's like I can see it. So, uh, if you could give advice to your younger selves, what would it be? Yeah, who wants to go first? <laughs> no big deal. I feel like Annie's gonna have an amazing answer. I think you're very connected to your inner, like your inner child. Yeah, yeah. But when I look back at myself, I'm just like, oh, girl. Uh, I say slow down. Just slow down. Slowing down is not only good for your mind, but you can actually think through things and process everything. And if there's anything like the last five years, I was just hyper-focused and trying to make things happen because I lost my job about five years ago and started freelancing. And it was like, I was just on hyper alert and uh, slowing down would have helped me really appreciate the whole process a little bit more because it was a wonderful process. It got me to where I am now, which is awesome. But yeah, slow down. That's my advice to my younger self. Hmm. I love that. Um, I think for me, the key thing I would probably say, well, two things. One would just be I feel like we've talked about this a, a few times today in various ways, but I would tell my younger self, just follow your curiosity. Let yourself keep following that, even if you don't really know where it's leading you. Because most things that I look back on now that have ended up transpiring in my life didn't come from having a grand master plan. They just came from following my curiosity. So I think if I gave myself even more permission to keep doing that, things would have flowed a little better. And then the second thing I would say, because I've always struggled to some degree with anxiety, is I don't know if I would listen to myself, but I would tell myself 99.999% of these things that you are fixating on and that you're so worried about and that you're putting so much of your energy into, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. And you could be putting that energy into creativity and connection and magic. So if you can, just try to put that energy somewhere else because these it's gonna be okay I wish I could tell myself that that's great advice from both of you great advice yeah I'm <laughs> just sitting over here nodding I'm like I'll do that today right now <laughs> yes <laughs> <I'll> slow down <laughs> I think that's why we created this spacious tarot is for both of us really needed to just kind of make some space slow down it's like it's all gonna be okay just take that time. Take that time for yourself. Well, I think you really do help other people that you have never met do that through your deck. Especially in times like these where actually people are really looking for that 
uh, you know, even just mind space, if you want to call it that, or just a sacred space or... Yeah, we taught, we made a little audio kind of behind the scenes commentary thing a while ago. And one of the things we talked about, or I guess I mostly talked about, because even while we were creating the deck, it was, there's a lot of, you know, like all the political upheaval happening in the United States and things just felt very dark a lot of the time. And so I think for me at least, and probably for Annie, maybe in similar ways and also different ways, like creating the deck was, I don't want to call it an escape, but it was just like a plugging into something else, like a rejuvenating force so that you still, not that you're escaping reality, but so that you have somewhere to go that essentially replenishes you and gives you what you need to navigate reality and to navigate all the challenges. And so that's always, we get the nicest compliments from people on the deck and it's always my favorite when people say like the deck feels really sweet and calm and nurturing but it still feels real like it doesn't feel like it's like bypassing difficult things and so I'm glad that a lot of people get that because I think that's exactly what we were going for. Many people don't realize this but kismet is an ancient word borrowed into English. And we chose it because it is related to a force that's like destiny. It belongs to several languages and has different historical and geographical layers to its meaning. Modern dictionaries define it as a force that some people think controls what happens in the future. So, do you believe in fate or destiny? Uh, Kara, you go. Wow, okay. I don't want to keep you here. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Um, I So I'll try to, I don't know if I can explain it really well, because this is a question I'm always thinking about. I feel like it's one of the key questions of like my spiritual practice is, do I believe in like fate or destiny? And I think where I am right now is I think that it's all in our perception um, I don't think there I'll, I'll ever come to an answer of yes or no, but I what I do believe really strongly is that we can choose to find meaning in things. So if something happens to us, we can choose to say, I'm going to make this a meaningful event. But I think there's other times where something happens to us and it's okay to say, this was just a random thing that happened to me. I don't have to think of it as my destiny or my fate. Because I've, you know, not to get too heavy with it, but I've been kind of connected to a lot of people who have gone through really dark, terrible things. And so I don't like the idea of being like, oh, well, it's just fate or this is just how it was meant to be. Um, But I do like the idea that we can choose to create meaning in something, even if we don't have to always choose to say this was fate or this was destiny or whatever. I hope that makes sense. It does. Yeah. And that I think tarot is actually really good for that of helping us say, you know, humans, we naturally create stories out of situations and tarot helps us be more conscious about here's the tar- here's the story I'm creating about this and what aspects of this do I want to keep reinforcing or what aspects are actually disempowering me. So maybe I want to recreate those or whatnot. But yeah, we have the ability to choose how we perceive meaning. I have such a hard time. I can see you my, pondering over there. You're like, oh my <laughs> metaphysical thoughts do not come out in words very well. Um, I don't. We should ask you to draw us. Yeah, I could, I could yeah. definitely do that. <laughs> draw us a draw us a destiny card. <laughs> oh man! Well, if I drew you a destiny card, it would look like uh, probably the inside of your brain with a lot of connected 
like, like pathways. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't, I don't really believe in destiny, but I believe that like time, I, I believe, I do kind of believe in different dimensions or like time all being connected and happening. Like, I think we can access the past and the future because we are a part of the, like the life force that connects all of that. <sighs> this, I'm, I don't even know how to explain this, but um, I don't really believe in a destiny, but I think that we are constantly creating and we will eventually experience our future based on what we're creating now. So we, in a way, can choose a destiny. Um, and I think that we definitely are choosing it. We're choosing it. We're creating it. But um, it feels separate from us because I do think we can have interactions with our future or we can have like we can download those messages or those visions because we are constantly in communication with our future and our past selves. That's what I believe. <laughs> so I like that makes perfect that was, sense. That was badass. That was <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I I definitely like talk to your guides, talk to your future self. I love past and future meditations because I think they're whoa, extremely valuable. And uh, but also at the same time, like what Carrie said, it's not something separate from you that you don't have control over. It's it's totally you creating it. So you can uh, choose to listen to uh, a download or a message and, and change it if it's resonating with you in a weird way, or if like you are in control. Great answer. Both of you. Thank you. <laughs> are there any other projects you can tell us about right now relating to the spacious tarot, or if there's an Oracle deck, or if there's expansion packs, or what, what else is in the works that people can look forward to? Yeah, we are actually working on, we've made the official announcement on our Instagram that we're working on an expansion pack for the Spacious Tarot, which is to give you the quick version of what this means, there are older deck systems related to tarot called Minciati, and they would essentially have the same 78 cards that are in a tarot deck, but then they would have some extra cards. So they would traditionally have 12 cards for each of the zodiac signs, four cards for the four elements, and then a lot of them would have additional cards that were based on like classic virtues. So we're doing something similar. We're doing the elements, the zodiac signs. We want to update the classic virtues to words that we think resonate more with the vibe of our deck. So we haven't finalized those yet, but we have started to share some of the element cards on our Instagram, and we're not sure when we'll be done, but we're actively creating it right now. And so people can either use that, mix it in with their tarot deck, or they could use it more like an oracle deck or something like that. So we're excited about that. There are other uh, ideas that have been percolating, but we haven't started working on them. So probably can't exactly mention what they are because they might change. But there are a, a few other things that we're excited to work on after the expansion pack um, and just kind of keep bringing forth more tools for this like sacred space, right, that we would love people to be able to create for themselves. So there's more, more to come. So if somebody were looking for information about the Spacious Tarot, where should they go? 
Oh, our website is thespaciousterot.com. Uh, we also have an Instagram account that we're very active with, which is at thespaciousterot. So either of those places. This show was produced, recorded, and edited in Berlin, Germany by us, Joey and Kate. Check out our website to find a magical selection of ethical crystals, indie tarot cards, handmade jewelry, and natural candles and incense. You can find us at www.kismetberlin.com. That's www.kismetberlin.com as well as on Instagram, at Kismet Berlin, all in one word. Music is by Tobu, and the track is entitled Sapphire. Thanks for listening, and stay mystically curious. Okay.